the beauty of IFS is that it gives us a really rich model to pull from to bring more awareness and mindfulness into our life. And the first step, I think, is pausing, taking our foot off the pedal to be able to slow down just a bit so that we can then turn in. Because when we turn in, that's when true transformation starts to happen. We create awareness, we create space, we create harmony within our self to be able to then show up in the world really differently. Hi everyone, my name is Megan. I am one of your hosts of the Turning In Podcast along with Dr. Amy Crawford. Welcome to our very first episode. Today we're going to be discussing IFS as a concept as a whole, as well as its introduction and origin story into our own lives. Also, we want to welcome you to this cool new project that we're working on. I really hope that you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening and let's go ahead and get started. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Turning In Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Megan Jones. I'm here with Amy Crawford. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about IFS and kind of introducing you to the concept of the entire podcast as a whole. Um, So, Amy, talk to me. IFS, right? What is it? What What are we really talking about? So IFS, probably important to share that IFS stands for internal family systems. And it's a model that was started, you know, something like 30 years ago or so as a means of helping us navigate what's going on inside of ourselves in any given moment. So internal family systems is very different than family systems therapy, which is where we're really focused on the family Um, whether nuclear or family of origin, and we're working with all parties within that external family. Internal family systems takes that model and turns it inside with the idea that we're all comprised of these little mini personalities that we call parts and how they show up in the world can impact us in unique ways. And how do we start to help explore these parts, manage these parts, learn from these parts, and even maybe help them lessen the extreme ways in which they do show up. So internal family systems takes external family systems model and turns it inside of ourself. Hmm. Okay. So (laughs) conceptually, right? Like it sounds like there are a lot of layers to that. So lots of layers. (laughs) I think I'd like to talk a little bit about our podcast in in general, right? So the Turning In podcast, we have this topic of IFS, which again, we can get into here in a second a little bit more deeply in some ways at least, but why in your perspective did we call it Turning In? So Turning In is the critical, probably second step of how I conceptualize Mm -hmm. IFS. The beauty of IFS is that it gives us a really rich model to pull from, to bring more awareness and mindfulness into our life. And the first step I think is pausing, taking our foot off the pedal to be able to slow down just a bit so that we can then turn in. Because when we turn in, that's when true 
transformation starts to happen. We create awareness, we create space, we create harmony within our self to be able to then show up in the world really differently. And so my, my translation of the phrase turning in is when we slow down, we get to turn in and start really being with these parts of us in meaningful ways that changes how they show up and manifest in the world. Because as humans, we have a tendency when the world gets super crazy and nutty and chaotic outside of ourself, we turn out. We go towards the world to try to control, to manage, to seek safety, to attach to whatever's going on outside of ourselves, which doesn't work. We have to slow down. We have to turn in. And by turning in, that then gives us the freedom to show up in the world differently. And so I think that's a huge element of what we're trying to do here, Megan, is to help others slow down, take that critical pause so that we can turn in and then show up in the world in ways that are more effective and meaningful. And of course, add in Megan, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that feels like fully resonates with me and my system. I think I like that you said that it was the second step because yeah, that pausing Mm -hmm. and stopping and realizing that, Oh, I'm not, I'm not showing up you know, how I I want to be showing up that's in line with how I want to be acting. I think that is usually the first step where my mind has this little Mm -hmm. ping of like, oh, why did I do that? You know, like a question. Yeah. A question pops up. Why did I do it that way? You know, what's going on? And, and I think the beautiful thing about our, you know, journey here on the Turning In podcast, but moreover IFS in general is that it doesn't happen externally, you know, it, it doesn't happen right. externally. Those are the the little triggers and cues that we get. Yeah. And it all starts with that turning in. And so I think, you know, that's my conceptualization of this entire project. And I, I want to move in a little bit to, you know, this isn't just for therapists or people who know IFS. This is fully meant to be for everybody, for, mm-hmm. for people that have no clue, you know, exactly. Have, yeah. Have maybe even never been to therapy, never right. you know, been on a journey. And then also to, you know, professional folks who m- may want a different perspective, maybe. 100%. Yeah. I know my objective and hope with us doing this project together is to, you use this phrase, simplify and deepen, which I love simplify and deepen the IFS model to anybody and everyone who has a curiosity and a willingness and an openness to maybe create some change within their life. I would love for it to be extended, you know, to, to my 75 year old neighbor, Jay next door, who has no bearing in the psychological world for him to be able to grasp some of these ideas and perhaps even apply them to someone who is experienced in IFS and, or, individuals who are maybe actively engaged in IFS therapy, it feels really important to me to get this message out into the world in a way that's digestible and understandable for anyone and everyone who wants to learn about it. It's, yeah, it's accessibility. Yeah. Accessibility. It's it's so interesting. You know, there just aren't, unfortunately, 
as the world works, there aren't always resources to mm-hmm. have access to a specialized therapist in IFS. And if you find one, a lot of the times, yeah, they're they're charging $200 an hour or whatever, and not everybody is able to front that. And so I, I believe yeah. wholeheartedly that a lot of our vision is, is all about accessibility and education mm-hmm. for anybody who's interested. Yeah, accessibility, education, inspiration, applicability. How mm-hmm. do we actually bring IFS into our day-to-day lives? Because I I know for me, I believe so deeply and fully in the model and how revolutionarily life-changing it can be. And I think there is a bit of a myth that that has to happen just in the therapy space, one-on-one, which bypasses so much of what IFS is about, which is how do we bring IFS into our day-to-day lives moment to moment? And I, I, that feels important for me to get out into the world, that idea of it being a roadmap of how to live and how, yeah. how do we integrate that into our day-to-day practice? Yeah. I want to kind of talk about, you know, we have this this project that we're working on and that we're both really inspired by and that gives us a lot of juice pumping through our veins. Yep. So tell me more about IFS. I want to move into sort of the origin story here. We can talk yeah. about our own origin story. I want you as the licensed therapist to explain, mm-hmm. you know, your understanding of the founding of of IFS and, and, um, Richard Schwartz and, and all of that. So I'm going to kind of give you the mic here for, for lack of better terms and go ahead and, and talk about that. Yeah. So to kind of generalize the IFS origin story, Dr. Richard Schwartz is a therapist and, you know, psychoanalyst doing therapy with clients and, when he started seeing clients and maybe it's not right when he started seeing clients, but as he started working more closely with clients, he began to notice some pretty significant patterns. And he was working with clients that in the therapy world, we would consider challenging hard clients, ones with severe eating disorders, ones who engaged in active self-harm and some of those bigger, more pathological sort of ideas that therapists get worried about working with because they can feel hard. Those clients can feel hard sometimes. And what he started to recognize is within him, he was feeling a bit helpless in how to navigate assisting them and helping them and often would find himself placing himself in this position of, I need to fix them. I need to find a way to help them. And it wasn't working. Everything he was trying wasn't really working. The client's symptoms as we might want to call them or behaviors weren't getting better. In fact, a lot of times they were getting worse. And by history, a lot of times we as therapists have a tendency to try to ask clients to stop those behaviors. Don't engage in self-harm. Don't engage in the eating disorder. Stop drinking. And we make the stopping or the abstinence of the behavior the focus of our therapy that we're doing. And what he recognized is when he was essentially asking his clients to stop engaging in some of these behaviors, they would come in the next week and those behaviors just flared up more. And so almost as a Hail Mary attempt, he got really creative and got really curious and began actually 
conceptualizing the client in front of him in a deeper way, a way that embraced this idea of multiplicity of personality and not in the type of dissociative identity disorder or, you know, multiple personality disorder that freaks people out, but in this really kind of rich notion that we are dynamic, complex beings that have lots of different ideas, feelings, beliefs, thoughts within ourselves. And so in his curiosity and creativity, he started working more specifically with the certain behaviors or symptoms, almost as though it was a separate entity. So one, one client he shares about in some depth and how he got into this model is a client that was self-harming. And this one really helped him dive headfirst into this idea of IFS that he then developed, which is the notion of, huh, rather than actually asking this client not to self-harm because that didn't work, he asked that the client came back and had really deep, intensive wounds that were self-inflicted in the next next session. He started to talk to the part of her that self-harmed. And he got really curious about that part in a way that he was directly accessing and talking to that part to learn about why was it doing what it was doing? What is it afraid would happen if it stopped doing this job? What was going on for it? And so in that pivotal professional moment of his, that's where he started to really begin creating this idea that we're comprised of different parts. I love hearing this story because every single time, you know, you share it or I read it in one of his books, it really does fully create the space where that individual that he was working with potentially was able to see this aspect of her and this behavior of hers as, I don't want to say separate from her, right? Because we are fully integrated, but as a, a little bit of a a distance where she doesn't have to fully identify. And so there's space there for her to hold that. I have this behavior that I'm engaging in. That's, you know, causing me an an immense amount of pain Mm -hmm. and, and maybe there's a part of me that doesn't want to do that or, you know, and and those are things that we can again, simplify and deepen in other episodes, but it's always very inspiring to hear the origin story because it has so much courage and bravery and just curiosity and creativity and all those things that you mentioned. Yeah. And that's, what's really amazing about IFS is it helps us realize that we are not our behaviors. That is a part of us showing up for some unique reason. And when we get curious, we can find out about the why to essentially help those parts lessen the ways in which they need to show up. And that's pretty freeing to go, oh, I'm not an addict or parts of me might be an addict, but that's not all, not all of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not all suicidal. Parts of me may carry suicidal feelings. And it's pretty cool to think of that notion that, yeah, part of me can show up really angry sometimes. And that's not, that doesn't define me. And that is another reason why I think IFS is so amazing is that it's non-pathologizing. It doesn't believe in stereotyping a client or IFS doesn't even necessarily believe in diagnosing in its most traditional sense, 
obviously there's a place for diagnoses and those diagnoses essentially are show, are parts of us showing up in certain ways, certain patterns. And I think that's a pretty cool and unique element of IFS also. Yeah. It's about in so many words, being able to hold the, I don't want to use the word tension, but I'm going to use the word tension, Mm -hmm. being able to hold the tension between maybe two opposites to opposings, you know, that dialectical language and finding a, and turning into, you know, Mm -hmm. a a centering of self, which again is a, a huge aspect of IFS in which we'll, we'll explain, but I, you know, you're the one that introduced me to the model of IFS and it, it, I remember, you know, once, cause you have known about it for far, far longer than I have. And, and I remember when you started to really integrate it into more of your like actual therapy and education Mm -hmm. and teaching it absolutely in my bones resonated because I've never really fully been able to identify with just one thing. It feels like I'm putting myself in a box and like almost like putting myself in a coffin where I have to then act this way because I'm just this identity. And so it was very freeing to me when you were, you know, we were involved in another professional project and I was introduced to it. So how were you introduced to it? So I'm going to thank my perfectionistic parts for that. The parts of me that are high achievers and strongly in their core believed the more therapy modalities I exposed myself to became trained, masterful, credentialed in that then I would be the therapist I always aspired to be. So I'm going to thank, I'm going to give a quick shout out to those perfectionistic (laughs) overachievers there who actually, and they are the ones who introduced me to IFS as a means of really just helping my therapy practice. And that was probably around 12 years ago, I would say, yeah, around 2009, 2010, give or take. And I first learned about it through a quick, short workshop that I, that I was exposed to, which then really piqued my curiosity. And as you said, Megan, as soon as I learned about IFS, it really like deepened. Like I just, I just, I felt it in my bones on a cellular level, even though I pursued it from some parts of me that pursued it to think it would help me as a professional. It just resonated. I just got it. And at that point I started just looking up IFS in whatever capacities that I can. And I ended up having the honor of attending a a live workshop, a live training with um, Dr. Richard Schwartz And that's when I just fell in love with the model even more and realized that it would be able to help all of my clients. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, yeah, this model could help my clients, but it's really not going to if I'm just doing it from that place. If my therapist parts are the ones really just engaging in IFS for my clients benefit. And so I then started really deepening my healing and my life work, emotional healing, transformative work by engaging in my own IFS. And that's really when it, that's really when it became an integral part of my way of being in the world. Well, and like I mentioned, you know, it feels to me because I've known you for about five years and we've jived 
ever since the beginning of that introduction. Yeah. And, and there does seem to be this time where I recall and was able to like really witness the full integration. And over the last, you know, however many years, it has very much become your lifeblood passion, yeah. every, like the way in which you are able to view everything in your world, let alone, you know, down to raising your own child mm -hmm. all the way up to, you know, your professional. Right. Yeah. It's, profession. yeah. Yeah. I know. Thank you. That means a lot that you can actually see that it's a, it's not just something I engage in professionally, that it actually is a part of my life. I jokingly say that, you know, IFS is my primary language. You know, everything I'm doing legit is like from an IFS lens, even on the days that parts of me are driving the bus and it feels like that energy of self, which we'll talk about at some other point in our podcast is nowhere to be found. I'm still always conceptualizing my way of being in the world through parts and IFS. So yeah, thanks. No, you absolutely are. And you're providing that gift to people like me, you know, who, yeah, we're close in a personal and professional sense. And going back to the whole reason that we started this podcast is that it is a very layered modality and yeah. there is a lot, it's never ending and there's a lot to be learned. And I think there's a lot of, I witness on a almost daily basis, a lot of confusion and misuse of that language mm -hmm. of IFS. And I think that there's implications there to yeah. our systems and the, you know, the client systems, if we're talking about a therapist or, you know, our friends and family and being able to explain and, and share that gift with the world is really the whole point because it's been so impactful for you and I. Yeah. Well, and IFS is, it is the world's most theoretically simple model and it's not super easy to practice utilize or understand the nuances in it and i think that's the that's both the beauty and the crux with the model is a lot of people i think believe they know how to just do ifs because they're throwing out the word parts or asking their parts for space when in reality, it's much, much more than that and much more nuanced than that. And so, yeah, I hope that with this podcast and with this project of ours that we can help understand, you know, help others understand some of those, those little nuances within the model. Yeah. So in, you know, in further episodes, what our plan is and what we're going to engage in is more conversations. And again, that simplifying and deepening of the overall concept of IFS, how to apply it into your life, how to identify parts, what are parts, how to define parts, uh, the different types that exist. Uh, we're going to talk about self, um, you know, and whatever else we think would be helpful. Honestly, I think you and I have a really cool idea of what will take place here and, and we'll be able to absolutely deliver that to the audience. And I'm really excited for anybody who is listening because I know what's coming and, and all of the, the beauty and richness, as you said, that will ensue. So 
That is the first episode of the Turning In podcast. We have a lot to come. Amy, do you have any last things that you want to share? Any, you know, any parts that you've been working on recently that you're really grateful for that you want to? The the parts I've been working on recently that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for all my parts. And I think this might be a good segue to a motto in IFS that there's no bad parts. All parts are welcome. They all have a positive intention. And I, I don't know. I'm grateful truly for all of my parts. And this last weekend, I think what I would say largest is I'm grateful for the ability to slow down, take that pause and to turn in because that does that alone creates so much space and freedom just to slow things down. Um, I had some very severely anxious parts showing up with full force this weekend and just the ability to take that pause, take my foot off the pedal and turn in. I'm really grateful for that. That's what this is all about. Show is. Show is. All right. Well, okay. uh, Hold hold up, Megan. Now, what about you? Any parts you're grateful for or any? Yeah. (laughs) Let me slide on. Mm -hmm. Slide on by there. I, agree. I have a lot of gratitude in my heart today for all of the parts, even those that might have, as you say, those unsavory underbellies, you know, or behaviors that they have, you know, and I, I think a part this weekend that I have had a lot of gratitude for is, is this part of me that just suits up and shows up regardless. Mm, Yeah. I know that part of you. She's steadfast and will, you know, regardless of the situation will, will be there and, and be there in full and handle situations that might be, you know, emergent or, or non-emergent and difficult, but she will show up and, and truly be there. And, um, and I love that. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's, she's pretty amazing. I, I know that part. (laughs) thank you all right well let's um end this episode thank you all for listening i'm really really grateful all parts of me are really really grateful for this journey and for you guys being here along with us there's so much to look forward to and and i have so much excitement and rejuvenation and and curiosity for what will come yeah i'm excited to learn with everyone thanks everybody Thank you.